0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Fear Frequency. This is the 89th episode, and this is a show where two best friends talk about horror movies and video games every Wednesday morning. How's it going,
1: George? Pretty good, man. How about yourself?
0: Good. I have a lot of energy because we're recording way earlier in the day. <laughs> it's like 3 o'clock here, which means it's only 6 for you. Yeah. How's your week going? You doing anything fun?
1: No, I mean, I mostly just just been working. Uh, trying, to, trying to get in a few games here and there. I recently bought this, like racial injustice pack from itch.io or itch.co it was like a big fundraising thing for um different like obviously racial injustice um organizations and so they packaged like eight thousand dollars worth of games into one pack that you could pay five dollars for and get all these games so i bought that and i've kind of been combing through those and seeing which ones are worth playing and which ones i'm I'm interested in does itch.io
0: have its own freaking like launcher
1: no every game is drm free so it's just a download of each game individually
0: i like that that's cool i need to get that actually i need to check if there's any games in it i don't have that i actually want to play because epic game store is giving away a lot
1: if you have a pc you'd be a fool not to have an epic game store account because the caliber of games they give out are never bad but there's so many free ones that like you should just be claiming them every week
0: yeah it was worth it for alan wake Alan Wake's American Nightmare, and then I got all the Arkham games for free. They just, they're just they giving away Ark Survival Evolved right now, which I think is an okay game. I never really played it. And then they gave away the first three Borderlands games. So that's all really cool, in my opinion. I really i don't mind it. I wish they had a wish list feature, and I also wish they had user reviews. That's the one thing that they're really like sorely missing. But hopefully they add that soon.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem too hard to... To shoehorn in there
0: yeah everything's opening back up here so uh i don't don't know if i should admit this but we went to a a bar (laughs) on a saturday yeah saturday but it was like social distanced to the max it's an outdoor patio type area it's only outdoor bar and their capacity was limited to uh how many tables they had and they were all really spaced out Mm -hmm. and you couldn't you, if you' were at your table, you didn't have to wear a mask. But if you're going up to the bar, you had to wear a mask. Okay. So if they're taking all the proper precautions and they're forcing everyone else to, then I don't really see the problem with it. and I don't really care anymore. Yeah, because like, as we said last week, the guilt tripping over <laughs> going outside, it is not a thing anymore because thousands of people were in the streets albeit for a better reason than going to a bar. Right. But the fact is unchanged, And people are like, oh, I was protesting with a mask on. But it's like, you can look at any picture. The the amount of people wearing masks is far less than the people who are not. So, like, yeah, that sucks. But I also saw that the uh World Health Organization was saying that there won't be a second wave based on the data they have.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's always – I feel like every day they contradict themselves or one day they have some news and then they – say something else the next so it's really just uh you know kind of a still a waiting game yeah everything's
0: opening back up in most places though
1: yeah i was able to get out on the on the golf course a little bit this weekend so it's good it's good to, to have some stuff to do
0: and i think spirit is still doing the like no middle seats thing so i will have some room on my flight back for fourth of july I'm very complain. happy about that it's good and they don't have ni- uh red eyes anymore so <laughs> right now so i get to fly like a normal flight back home <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. (laughs) So we have a little bit of news. Most of it's coming out of that PS5 event, obviously. I mean, theaters are actually announcing that they're going to open around the middle of July. But thanks to that stuff in the horror industry we talked about last week, it doesn't really seem like there are many announcements going on around Halloween. uh, Because I think things are just staying really quiet right now. Yeah. Like, after that stuff with Rob G., the host of uh, Shockwaves, happened rebecca McHenry, the other host has been pretty vocal but ryan turek has been completely absent and therefore we have no halloween news to talk about and there hasn't really been anything with scream i know hellraiser has a little bit of stuff going on but i don't think it was worth talking about so we have a lot of video game news the first one biggest one my favorite announcement is that resident evil 8 is official and it's actually just called resident evil village with the like V I I in village spelling out eight roman numerals. We kind of knew everything that was coming thanks to one guy, but it was still really exciting to see it. It looks like it looks like another RE engine Resident Evil game, which means it looks better than most games out. <laughs> it did look a little cleaned up, but it's impossible to tell because most of these trailers they showed were fucking CGI uh recorded in-engine, pre-rendered cutscenes, which I don't understand why we're at the point where we still need that, you know? (laughs) But it's easy to pull out a lot of stuff from it. Did you like the Resident Evil 8 trailer? Do you like the direction they're going in with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that kind of, you know, desolate Middle East, or, you know, like, uh, very desolate setting, like where Resident Evil 4 was set, I think is, kind of one of the better settings for a Resident Evil game. Like, 4 was the first one I jumped on, so I always kind of, like, link those two things in my mind, like that setting with this series. So, I like the setting. I think there's a lot of cool, creepy imagery to it. I'm glad that, like, like Resident Evil 7, this one seems like it's going really hard into the, like, horror aspect of it, which I'm into. Um, I mean, really, the only weird thing to me was the... Um, the Chris Redfield stuff. Like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure if I like how he looks. And <laughs> him being just, like, a complete asshole in, in the trailers, also a weird, like, character turn for him because he's never been a heel before. But um, I'm still excited, and, and I think it's going to be good. <laughs> so it's – it's I, I know this. I know it's set in Romania
0: because I went to Romania for two days to go on the – you know, remember the, the nun set visit? Right. And – when they did this little video after the Resident Evil, 5, or Resident Evil 8 trailer came out, and it's like a expanded gameplay video, and it showed the currency in the game is the same currency as Romania, so oh, nice. that's where that village is set. And the Chris thing is bizarre, because <laughs> they already redesigned him, and then they're listening to the vocal minority of fans on Twitter who were bitching about how he looked. They changed him slightly for the Not a Hero DLC, and he looked fine. So I don't understand why Chris has to like look like this weird cross version of his older version and a human being yeah. because they have updated every character model at this point. Even Leon, they found a guy who looks a lot like Leon, but a little bit younger and used him for Resident Evil 2. Same with Claire. Same with Jill. They all kind of look very similar to their actual characters, but they're more human. And Chris Redfield was a little bit more they picked a different actor for him that didn't really look like chris redfield and from what i understand that's because the decision to add him into resident evil 7 was a like very late game decision Mm -hmm. and they couldn't find anyone who looked like him to play that part but they they cleaned it up a lot for the dlc and then they just went the hard hardest (laughs) possible way in the other direction that they could for this new version and people seem to hate him just as much so i wish capcom Like, Resident Evil fans are just the worst. I'm just going (laughs) to say it. They complain about the dumbest shit. They're like, this character doesn't look like the PS1 model, and she's not wearing a tube top. So, fuck this game. I'm not buying it. It's like, what is wrong with you? Just accept the game that you have. And I get having an opinion where you don't like how certain characters look, but when they're sending death threats to Capcom devs, which happens all the time, and they're like acting like this series has just completely lost its way and it's never going to be the same. It's like it shouldn't be the same as it was in 1998. Right. Cuz we're in 2020 better games are out. So they should have just left it alone, but now we have something that's far creepier. I like his outfit. I think the the like all black, all black. with the the pea coat that is, looks really cool. It looks more casual than Chris is usually portrayed. Because every time we've seen him, he's basically been in fatigue In full and, stars uniform. Yeah. So I think that's a, it's a cool look. His hair looks terrible. It's like he just combed it straight down.
1: <laughs> it's almost like they just used the Mr. X model and put a different head on it like from the RE2 remake.
0: Yeah. But I like that they kept Ethan people... We're complaining about that but i think it's cool that they kept ethan as the main character obviously mia his wife has some tie to this village because she's the one reading that story at the beginning that's like a village story uh it's weird that mia is just this this black hole of fucked up resident evil shit yeah. like ethan went through all this trouble to get her out of the baker mansion and then she comes home and she's weird as fuck and she's like talking about all this old village and stuff it's yeah like, why did you marry this girl
1: <laughs> right like what entice you she's like so evil to her core so influenced by evil she's basically like an evil dead character and you're, <laughs> and you're just hanging out with her all the time i
0: also think it's weird that she's the canonical good ending to resident evil 7 when she caused most of what happened by working with this terrible organization and you know letting the Basically, what was going on is they sent all the virus that they made to this Baker Mansion because the kid, Lucas, was a psycho. And they were like, yeah, you can experiment on your family. Have fun. And she was a part of that. And then you have the opportunity to save Zoe, who's helped you the entire game and is clearly not insane or a bad person. And if you choose her, you get the quote-unquote bad ending. Fuck Mia, dude. (laughs) Like, I don't like yeah she's ethan's wife but she's a completely different person than the person he thought he married that blew my mind i was like (laughs) because i picked i played i beat that game before it came out and i picked zoe and i got the shitty ending (laughs) it's like what (laughs) stupid is so dumb, but uh, I heard that there's going to be werewolves and zombies and suits of armor in Resident Evil 8. I'm about that. I'm curious how close it'll be to Resident Evil 4 with the virus thing, but I'm glad that this game is coming out next year, because if you really think about it, re- whether or not it's a big game or a small game, Capcom does release a Resident Evil game every year for the- a long time now. Yeah. So I'm glad this one's going to be hopefully bigger than resident evil 3 because i don't know if you saw this they're not doing dlc for resident evil 3 even though they had that weird cliffhanger ending
1: pretty weird i mean i guess if they keep doing their remakes of the past games like if they do a resident evil 4 remake they could try to like shift the story a bit into including some of that stuff possibly but uh i don't know i mean even so that'd be kind of weird to have like the resident evil 4 and resident evil 8 back-to-back if they're both kind of in the same area also
0: i hope it's not just like a straight-up werewolf i hope it's like a resident evil style werewolf. you know i don't want this to become a completely different type of game i don't want it to be like silent hill with the resident evil's title slapped on it you know but i think they know what they're doing the weird thing is this started out as revelations 3 and apparently it was coming along so well that they like completely overhauled the entire <laughs> game and added in ethan and chris and all this shit so that's wild
1: yeah a lot of resident evil games going on right now
0: next thing here we have is that blue point the studio that remade shadow of the classes is also remaking demon souls for ps5 did you see that trailer wow it looks so good i
1: saw i i'm don't remember who was uh tweeting the screenshots but they were basically comparing like trailer footage to screenshots of the original um demon souls game and i mean it's amazing the like extra level of detail and everything they breathed into like the environments and everything in that game like playing it when it came out it had a lot of personality and like flavor to it but after you see what they did with the remake it's like a whole new game
0: yeah i feel like they're going to have to change some of the like core design of it a bit just to modernize it i don't think that game's like shadow of the colossus where you can just do nothing to it except remake the graphics Pretty much, and do redo the control scheme. Mm-hmm. I think they need to up the combat a little bit to be more like something like Bloodborne or Dark Souls Three. I mean, also there was like
1: some weird magic systems in that game where you could cheese a lot of stuff with uh, items that would refill your magic bar, and and there was just a lot of like big, like kind of cheesy options in Demon Souls. So probably have to work around a couple of those as well.
0: I saw a lot of people saying that it looked like a sequel to dark souls so it really surprised me how few people know that this is the first <laughs> souls game i sony would be smart to just pretend it's not a remake and a completely new game. <laughs> just
1: touted as like the next <laughs> dark souls game
0: yeah isn't that weird that people don't know that yeah. i thought it was just like common knowledge i
1: didn't see that take i didn't see anybody say that but that is funny that there is like a group of people that have never heard of this game before I mean, I guess it doesn't shock me, but at the same time, it's just weird because, like, you'd figure if you like Dark Souls, you would, like, read up on it and try to get a little bit of, like, you would see, oh, there was a game account before this, so maybe I'll try that one, too. And I, I don't know.
0: Just I just wish that there was more gameplay at this thing because th- there was another horror game we saw, which was Ghostwire Tokyo, but that kind of looks more like an action game now. That wasn't gameplay either. That was just another in-engine, pre-rendered cutscene that was first person so death loop had gameplay which was nice to see but it's not really a horror game ratchet and clank obviously had gameplay that looked awesome that looked so cool jumping yeah. between dimensions and stuff i mean overall it was a very okay event they had a lot of games but we knew none of them were really that surprising except for spider-man miles morales which is kind of becoming this pr disaster for sony no one can understand (laughs) what it is (laughs) they don't know yeah they don't want to market it because some exec at sony was like oh yeah it's like a it's like an expansion dlc and then insomniac's like it's a standalone game but it really is the half step in the sense that it's like the uncharted lost legacy or infamous first light they're just taking the map they already have
1: Putting a new character in there and adding, you know, some new story and all that kind of stuff.
0: I don't know. I like Miles. I really have come around on him over the years. But if it's not going to add a lot of new types of gameplay, I'm probably not going to be too interested in it. Because getting through the Spider-Man DLC was not very fun. (laughs) It's just that that gameplay is so... It's good. And it's a good like I guess influence of the Arkham series like they just one-to-one copied it and added web swinging and made it a little bit faster but there needs to be more I think
1: yeah I mean with Miles at least he has like a couple different powers that Peter doesn't so they could definitely incorporate those in pretty interesting ways but uh, that also really didn't have that much like gameplay footage and we didn't really see anything like we didn't see him use like shock powers or anything that would really lead you to believe that there's like a, a massive or or even a really like turn invisible so you can
0: see that they're probably going to do that arkham style stealth where that spider-man already has where you're just kind of like hanging out on lights and stuff on top of the levels Mm -hmm. and interiors and you can see miles will make that even easier because he has invisibility but his other power which is like shock punching you got that already in spider-man thanks to all the gadgets and the suit powers that peter had so like I don't know. I feel like they need to do a lot to really make this feel more next gen because that gameplay got stale by the end. By the end of the main story, the gameplay was stale. And then doing the DLC,
1: it was like even worse. Right. The DLC was just like a really hard version of the main story.
0: Yeah. Like, Spider Man's a a great game. I think they really captured what they needed to with it, but. It was a game made for people who didn't play any of the other Spider-Man games because nothing they really did was that revolutionary if you had played any of the other ones. It was just like, oh, it's just better because it got more money. <laughs> like That's pretty much what it came down to. And at least before with the Spider-Man games, they tried to put original twists on it that weren't just, well, Arkham does this, so mm-hmm. let's do that. You know. So, I don't know. I think that game is – I love it, but I think it's very overrated. I think it's a solid like 8.5 game that gets – tens from people just because they don't play any other spider-man games so they're gonna have to really do a lot i think also i'm curious to see if it'll be full price
1: yeah i mean to me it doesn't i don't really think the like 20 dollar difference means a whole lot and i don't know why there's like a ton of weight being put on that but well i guess we'll just have to see
0: yeah i mean it was make or break for ratchet and clank they charged 40 bucks for that and that's one of the that is one of the best-selling PS4 games, not just exclusives. Like, that game did incredibly well just because it was $40. Because Ratchet & Clank hadn't been around for a while.
1: I mean, especially if it is a, like you were saying, like kind of the half-step, like the Lost Legacy, then it should be priced accordingly. Like, it should be a $40 game if that's what it is. Because
0: Lost Legacy was 40 bucks, and that was, like, an 8-hour game that was really good. I'd be fine paying 40 bucks for Miles Morales. That's a good launch game, though, I think, for Sony, because Spider-Man... I think Spider-Man is the best-selling Sony exclusive.
1: Yeah, and it was definitely it made a huge splash when it came out, so I can see a lot of people uh, latching onto that for you know their first like PlayStation Five game. I saw
0: that on console, Bethesda is making Ghostwire and Deathloop timed exclusives on PS Five, which I don't really understand. Like what? I guess actually I do understand it because Arcane hasn't had a hit since the first mm-hmm. Dishonored uh commercially speaking so if sony can take a little or bethesda can take a little money up front and then get extra marketing money from sony and have it be considered a playstation exclusive to the joe Schmo who walks into walmart and is looking for the new sony exclusive you know right i feel like that could be a win for them and ghostwire tokyo same situation because evil within two sold like shit so i get i get what bethesda's thinking like make our games look higher profile, get get them into the mainstream. That makes sense to me, I think. And they're they're both new IP. So it's not like the Tomb Raider situation that Microsoft put themselves in where everyone hated them. I think Microsoft once again is in a great spot to come back and stop with the hardware shit and actually show off some games. I don't know if they will because they fucked that up every (laughs) single chance they've had so far. But they do have a lot of stuff they can show off that people are just writing off because they're Sony fanboys. Uh, Like Halo Infinite's going to be guaranteed there. They have that new studio in Santa Monica that is made up of people from Sony Santa Monica, Naughty Dog, Sledgehammer Games. Like three of the best studios in the industry got poached big time for a Microsoft studio. And the rumor is they're working on a new Perfect Dark complete reboot from like the ground up. To be like a futuristic shooter, so that seems like a win. They've got the people who made Forza Horizon and two, three, and four. They're working on what everyone thinks is a new Fable game, like an open world action game. Everyone knows about that. So if they show off some of this stuff, and then whatever Obsidian's working on, that's big.
1: Yeah, because I don't think the PlayStation 5 event had didn't really have like a killer app. Like there was a couple games that I were like, oh yeah, that's kind of interesting and like something I would play. But there was no game that I saw where I was like, I need to get a PlayStation 5 for this game.
0: Yeah, like Horizon 2 was probably my favorite. But again, that was a stupid-ass CGI cutscene. So, like, I I don't know. It it was an okay event. It was was exactly what I thought it would be because Sony only makes one type of game. A third-person open-world action game plus Gran Turismo. That's this like all they really have in their wheelhouse. So at least Microsoft has some diversity there between Halo and whatever. I hope I hope they I hope they have some good stuff because that console looks sick, but no one's gonna buy it if there's nothing to play on it, which is the problem they ran into with the Xbox One like repeatedly. That's enough video game talk. Uh I wanted to put on here that Creep Show might be getting a third season. So season two was supposed to film in March, but it got delayed because of COVID. And season two was like supposed to come out this year. I don't know if it still is. And someone from Shudder said, although season two is on pause while we wait for it to be safe to go into production, we wanted to use that time to work on season three scripts. So that doesn't tell me that the show is renewed. That seems like we
1: have all these people on retainer, so we're putting them to work. Right, in case we need a third season, like we'll have stuff ready, so we're not just waiting around, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna get three seasons of creep show.
0: Yeah, I hope that show got a big budget increase for season two, because like between episodes even, it was ridiculous how the quality
1: would shift. Yeah, that was the big issue with that show. It was just each short was like incredibly hit or miss. Like not necessarily every time because of like budget. I think there were some that were just written a lot better than others were, but definitely some of them showed their budget really hard and some of them didn't. So it was kind of a weird like tug of war. So shutter's cheap.
0: It's $5 a month. So you have to take that into account. Their app is still terrible. It is one of the worst streaming apps available. It never works right for most people who use it. Watching Joe Bob... Every week we have to refresh multiple times to get into that stream. Mm-hmm. We're on the third season of that show, and they've done what, like four standalone live streams? Like, figure it out. <laughs> I don't I, It's kind of unacceptable at this point, regardless of cost. Uh, it's impossible to find anything on there because of how it's laid out. I think it's cool that they have the shutter TV with the channels. I think that's like a step in the right direction. But not being able to search directors is stupid because that's what you know. A lot of different horror movies by which look weirdly like that, and I think the fact that they have very few originals that are in English is a problem. Not just like disparage foreign films, but that's not selling people on your streaming service that you need to to pony up, especially when it is so cheap.
1: It's already kind of a sort of niche to have a bunch of you know like indie foreign horror movies. Not necessarily something that. The average person out the streets gonna jump and you know jump at the chance to pay five dollars a month to watch.
0: Yeah, and it, if it was free and it had ads, it'd be different. But people are paying for it, and they're still kind of acting like we're all in this together. Like this is a team effort. We're all part of the horror community. It's like no, you're a product that I'm paying for. Like I don't care that you're the little engine that could. Like you, you've been around for over four years now. It's time to make some upgrades, I think. And especially if they're getting the show renewed to the point where they are already working on season three that tells me that they're assuming they'll get renewed based on season two i feel like now's the time when you start really giving people a reason to subscribe um also weirdly amc showed the creep show series on AM- on the, the amc channel because they're the parent company of Shudder, like a month ago so it must have done well if they're letting them work on season three there must be interest there I feel like it would have been smarter to just show the first episode on AMC as like a Fear Fest in
1: May event. Right, like a teaser, and then be like, if you want to watch the rest of it, buy Shudder.
0: It's it's weird how that streaming service is run. But we might be getting a Creepshow Season 3. Greg Nicotero is doing a great job on it. They've gotten some really good actors. I just think they need a more consistent level of quality. I think that would help out a lot.
1: Yeah, I agree completely.
0: That's all I got for news this week george there's a couple other small things but i like i saw that there was a trailer for the sequel to train to busan which i'm excited about but like i don't how do you talk about a trailer on a podcast
1: you know i haven't seen the trailer but i love the first one so i'm happy to see more of that
0: let's get into what we've been watching and playing i played this game called the convenience store (laughs) that i was telling you about
1: yeah (laughs) yeah you sent me a picture of it and i mean i looked at the screenshots. I watched like a little bit of gameplay footage and this whole game just looks cursed to me. Like there's nothing, (laughs) nothing not cursed about this. The weird thing is, I don't
0: know when I bought it, but I know that it came up in my queue on Steam. And I was like, oh, it's $3. I'll check this out. Uh, Basically, the story can be boiled down to you work at a convenience store, a la 7-Eleven. It's a totally freestanding one. And there's like a cool little catharsis to it since you're just going through this guy's everyday life. Like, the first night, you have to make your dinner on the microwave, grab your flashlight, and walk to work. And it's a four-night game. You work the night shift, Mm -hmm. obviously. And every night, you have to walk to work, which goes a really long way because it's not hard. Like, it's kind of hard to navigate the first time you do it. You're, like, trying to get through this little village. But then after that, you memorized how to get there. So, it's like you're walking to work, and then you're alone in this convenience store. It's actually a girl. I put they because I couldn't remember, but it's a girl. I just remembered why. And throughout the nights, progressively weird shit happens. Like the doors open on their own, and you have to restock the shelves one night. And you go in the restock room, and it gets locked behind Mm -hmm. you. And you hear, like, someone running around in the store, (laughs) which is really creepy. And it gets way scarier than that. And there's a cool mystery that sort of unravels. It's also very inspired by the ring since – Every night, this delivery man comes in, and he gives you a new tape to watch at home, and they're really fucking creepy, even though they're like six seconds long.
1: Right after, right before we started recording, I bought it, because um, it seems interesting to me, and it's something I want to play through, but it's, I think it's definitely going to scare the shit out of me to get through this. Yeah, you got to play it at night. Yeah, I was going to play it today, like before we recorded, but I was like, it's light outside, not the same feel at all.
0: Yeah, there's a part where you're walking to work in the rain, and that's the scariest <laughs> night, just walking to work. Because it's weird. It's like off-putting. But I played it with headphones. There, There's one or two jump scares, but it's mostly just atmospherically scary. The person who made it has a new game called Missing Children that came out like four days ago. And it got a huge graphics upgrade. Because the graphics in uh, the convenience store, they're bad, but they're not like... They're not bad. They're just low poly. And there's like a found footage camera overlay over the entire thing because the theme of it is vhs tapes and that helps a lot and people walk really slow in it it's just very off-putting the the whole experience but it's attractive
1: i mean definitely from what i saw it seems like like you're saying it's like definitely not the you know most beautiful game you ever played but like that almost like broken art style like adds something like, a feeling that, like, this is something that you shouldn't be watching or playing.
0: It also is one of those games where, you know, when you when you play a game like this, you expect to have to restart it a couple times because you get stuck in a wall or a scripting error mm-hmm. happens. That never happened in this, ever. It worked totally fine, and I never was beating my head against the wall trying to figure out what to do. Because it's written and scripted in a way that the... the most of the time the way you progress the story is just by instinctively doing what you would do like you hear a noise outside you go to the cctv computer and that'll trigger the next sequence you know there's no logic breaks throughout the entire thing like i never got stuck which those kind of games i always get stuck so i thought that was cool
1: yeah sounds like it's definitely worth the with your time and your three dollars
0: yeah the thing that sucks is when i tweeted about it everyone was like oh i saw this guy play through it i saw this guy play through it i watched it on youtube it's like it's a three dollar game buy it
1: yeah i mean even if you're not going to play it yourself give the guy the three bucks for (laughs) for making it
0: yeah that's that's like the downside to let's players on youtube like so many of these people i wonder what the conversion rate is especially on a game that you can beat in the time that these people usually make a video you know you could beat it in one sitting of a half hour if you really know what you're doing so if i'm sitting there watching this guy play it and I see the entire thing from start to finish, I'm probably not gonna go buy it. So if you watched it on YouTube, please go give this developer three dollars. <laughs> because I know you probably have it, and you should, because you like you got something out of the game, you know?
1: Yeah, he deserves a little bit of a little bit of praise for that. A little
0: kickback. So you watched another Shutter original, speaking of foreign films, called Warning Do Not Play.
1: How was this? This was actually really good. So uh, <laughs> I know, shocking, but uh, it's basically, I think it's a Korean horror film, and it's about this um, woman who is an aspiring, like, horror writer, filmmaker, and she starts having these nightmares uh, that really creep her out, and she's basically looking for, like, inspiration for how to write her script, and so... She kind of starts asking around, and she hears the rumor of a local, um, like, arts college thing, played a movie a couple years ago, and it was so scary that, you know, somebody in the audience had a heart attack, and nobody could finish the movie because they all ran out of the theater screaming, and so she, like, kind of takes it upon herself to, like, figure out the history of this movie and see it and, like, try to gain inspiration from it. So, the protagonist is, uh, like, very likable, fun to watch. Um, she has, like, essentially one best friend that she hangs out with for, like, the majority of the movie. And he's also, like, a good companion and a interesting character. But, I mean, I really don't want to, like, spoil anything of it. Um, there's, like, not a lot of jump scares. Um, the opening scene is kind of a jump scare. Um, but it's it's mostly kind of like the convenience store, like very atmospheric and like this mystery that, that is building upon itself as the movie goes on. So it definitely shot really well. I, it doesn't really seem like a low-budget movie at all. Uh, interesting plot and uh, so, some pretty creepy sequences, so I, I definitely recommend this. Cool. Is it a found footage movie? Uh, so there's like a couple segments that are found footage because... Um, like as she's uncovering the movie she basically like finds pieces of it and then will watch like the segment of it and those are shot basically from the director's pov like through the camcorder so those segments are all found footage but the majority of the movie is like just a normal um like just following her around in her day-to-day life
0: okay cool uh, how long is it?
1: Uh, it's, it's like sub an hour and a half. I want to say it's like an hour and 20 minutes or something.
0: Cool. It's like a new movie. I saw it just came out on shutter. So I will definitely check that out probably tonight for next week.
1: I'll let you know if I like yeah, it. Yeah, I watched it like right before I went to bed on Friday night and it really creeped me out. So I recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> it gave you a little spook? A little spook. <laughs> That's cool.
0: What would you give it out of five stars?
1: I gave it a four star on Letterboxd.
0: Whoa. All right. High praise. I'm going to have to check it out. (laughs) I'm excited now. So I checked out another four-star thing, which is Castlevania. So I went to start the third season, and I realized I didn't remember a lot of season two. So I just started at the beginning of season two and blew through that. Because even though it was a full season, they were still like 15-minute episodes, right? 20-minute episodes. So it was easy to go through that. That show is so good i don't i cannot believe how good that show is having dracula be this like humanized character uh i it's cool it makes sense i guess that it would be a good video game adaptation because the old castlevania games weren't like story heavy they just had very iconic characters
1: right you can fill in a lot of the blanks basically just use a bunch of characters that people know
0: yeah so by the end of season two you like totally feel bad for dracula Shit. (laughs) kind of on his side I understand why they're going after him and why Alucard's pissed at him, but like you're like I don't know. I mean like Dracula is he's pretty cool and he's got those two um got those two human guys who make his army Hector and I think the other guy's name is Isaac. He's they're awesome. I like their story.
1: Yeah, those are both really interesting characters too. Like there's a the whole cast of characters in that show like there really isn't any bad character. Like all of them are have like an actual almost fully like most of them are fully realized arc. And have, like, a lot of interesting, like, you know, inner conflict and stuff.
0: Yeah, and I totally flew through Season 3 yesterday. I finished 2 the other day and finished 3 yesterday. So, basically, it picks right up where 2 left off. And I think it was smart. It, it definitely feels like an interstitial season, like a bridging mm-hmm. the gap. Because how are you going to follow up killing Dracula at the end of Season 2? Right. right
1: that was kind of the big moment
0: <laughs> so it starts out like alucard has taken over dracula's castle because it's completely empty and it, you can't move it anymore because i i don't really understand why uh but it's still parked right over the belmont estate and these two japanese siblings show up and they want to kill a vampire who's like a samurai killer or something like that because there's like this whole court of female um vampires which is camilla is the leader of them she's that lady who comes in towards the middle slash Mm -hmm. end of season two and she basically enslaves hector to make uh army for her so he's stuck in a cage he has like a love arc with a vampire that's really (laughs) fucking weird and then alucard's training these kids who come to kill the japanese vampire (laughs) he ends up fucking both of them it's a really weird scene (laughs) because they're definitely implied to be kids like 18 year olds maybe i don't know and alucard's old as fuck that was an odd scene uh very odd odd things happen but then the coolest arc is uh trevor and sifa are going to this village that's very resident evil 4-esque and there's like a Cthulhu style monster that can open a gate to hell and the town worships that instead of God. (laughs) That's awesome. So they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to figure all this out and the town, the townspeople are all sympathetic to Dracula. So they obviously hate Trevor and Sifa because they killed Dracula and this town, they're all coming together to bring Dracula out of hell. And that's kind of the goal of this season, which I was really hoping for because that's how Castlevania works. Like you can't really kill Dracula you can just put him to sleep for a while but if it, it's weird like hell and heaven in this show are places it's like diablo it's not like
1: when they're dead they're dead it's like there's a way always a way to like bring a character back
0: yeah you can kind of like traverse and you know hector is hanging out with camilla but isaac got teleported to northern africa by dracula before the big war at the end of season 2 so you get to kind of see a new story with him chilling in basically egypt uh he start he bring some people back to life out of hell make some monsters and he's kind of talking to them and that's where you really start to realize that um you know like hell and heaven are different places and like god is a character like they talk about god as if he's a person which i think is cool so they're really setting up an awesome season four but there's also really cool battle moments and stuff in this season i still think two is the best but this comes this is better than season one so i would go like one three two
1: yeah, I, I started... Also, it's half-hour episodes. Half-hour episodes, so they're a little bit longer. Yeah, I yeah, I started this season. I think I watched the first episode or first two episodes, um, but didn't really pick it up from there, so this is definitely one I'm going to have to go back and revisit.
0: Yeah, it's really easy to watch because the ball just sort of gets rolling because the first season's like six episodes. It's basically as long as a movie. Season two is more episodes but you know they're still short and season three is a full-on season of tv and that's where they really flesh out more of the characters and there's like there's this weirdo who walks around the town where trevor and c he's trying to figure everything out and he's got some really good humor moments so overall i think the budget increase really helped they do some of that 2d 3d type camera sweeping stuff and mm-hmm. towards the end of the season so Hopefully season 4 doesn't take as long as this one did cuz this one took over a year. I feel
1: like this has got to be Netflix's most popular like animated series other than like Avatar Last Airbender, but like an original series, it's got to be the most popular.
0: Definitely. The the animation's really good, like the art, the actual drawing, like the penmanship is great, but the animation itself during some of the fight scenes can be like choppy. It does that weird thing mm-hmm. where it skips frames, you know? Like it'll cut down the motions to be cheaper i'd assume and so it can be a little hard to follow sometimes i was hoping season three wouldn't have as much of that but there's a lot of huge battles so it's kind of hard like trevor has a whip and that's animated very weirdly right because it's a whip you know it's it's hard to not have fluid motion for that but they choose not to so there's definitely room for improvement on some of the animation but uh, overall i think it's great and they're doing um The same teams doing um, a show on Devil May Cry next, so I hope that turns out good because it's the same type of vibe. Yeah,
1: totally. I know there was an older Devil May Cry anime. Um, I watched a little bit of that too, but that one was was also pretty cool. But I'd I'd be excited to see what this team does with that IP.
0: Everyone wants someone to do Zelda. Why?
1: like... Like it's not dark at all. Like it's. I guess you could do like a Majora's Mask season or something, where you hit on like one of the darker or like a twilight princess style like you could pick a darker like link game but really there i don't know i don't think there's like as much like character depth or anything in those games as there is in some other ones
0: the show's written and directed by warren ellis who wrote and directed dead space why the fuck yeah, would exactly. you want dead space the guy like wrote it it's the art style is very gory it's very violent and none of that lends itself to zelda and Nintendo would never let any of that be in a Zelda show.
1: Like, the only Zelda show you're going to get is that old Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> There's barely a story in Zelda.
0: <laughs> like, they had to make a whole damn book to map out the chronology of that series.
1: I mean, the the whole fun of that series is you playing it. It's you exploring the world. It's not anything else. So, I don't, I don't get that. But.
0: If Nintendo would let them make it into a story and, like, change the lore, like they did with Castlevania, like Konami did... I think it would be okay, but I don't think that will ever happen. That
1: series would be far down on my list of uh, adaptation I'd want to see from this crew.
0: I want to know what the hell's going on with Castlevania on the game side, because Konami's making games again. I really want Symphony of the Night on Switch, and all they need to do is make it so that you don't go back to the title (laughs) screen when you die.
1: Yeah, that's really the only update they have to make to that game.
0: I'm going to restart Bloodstained, because I got a few more patches since I played it that got rid of all the slowdown Mm -hmm. that made it really hard to play. But that's like, that's the closest you can really get to Castlevania. Other than that collection, it's like one, two, three. So you have been playing Dead Space, Think, speaking of it. What made you pick that up?
1: I mean, I, I was kind of on a kick of replaying like older games that I liked, but hadn't touched in a while. Like after I beat Dishonored, I was kind of thinking like, well, what other games kind of came out around that time that, you know, I really enjoyed them when they came out, but like I would have a new perspective on them playing them currently and Dead Space is one that jumped out to me because I think that at least the first one is like a like a modern horror game masterpiece. Like there's really not a lot to complain about in that game other than the turret level. Um oh yeah that level sucks <laughs> but like that that also is kind of now that I think about it is pretty similar to like why I really lashed on to Dishonored where like the world so interesting like the ishimura as a ship is so cool to explore and has so many interesting facets to it like not only is it this abandoned creepy ship but there's like the indoor outdoor segments where you have to have like the air this is zero gravity stuff like there's a lot of cool gameplay twists that they put into dead space one that really like make it stand the test of time
0: i really like dead space a lot i wish ea would bring it back i don't see that happening They need to do, like, a trilogy remaster and put that on modern consoles. But if you have an Xbox, I guess you can play it. Yeah,
1: if you have the modern Xbox. I'm playing it on PC, and there's, like, surprisingly a good amount of options. Like, I was able to play it at 1440p, 144 hertz. So, I mean, I don't know if there was, like, patches since then that, you know, gave it high resolutions and higher uh, refresh rates, but, you know, it's able to natively link with, like, a modern monitor, so... Um, not really far behind in the times there and it really looks not that bad. Like for a game that came out in 2008, it really, I think holds up a lot of the, really the only things that look weird are like certain textures are kind of flat, but for the most part, like Isaac's suit still looks amazing. Like all the weapons are still really cool. The, you know, the plasma cutter, like cutting through enemies is still always really satisfying and fun. Like really, a lot of the that game is just so polished that there's really not a lot to complain about. Yeah,
0: I feel like it helped that a lot of it takes place in hallways, where you can have a lot of the same stuff layered over and over again. You don't really need to have a lot of right. independent assets. I feel like that helped a lot. But yeah, I played that game in one sitting and it was awesome. I love Dead Space and Dead Space Two is really good. Dead Space Three took me a while to play it, but I actually think it's underrated now that I've gone back because it feels like way ahead of its time, and I feel like that was the problem with it. but that trilogy is just awesome. I'm kind of actually everyone says they want Dead space to come back. I just said Dead Space should come back. I feel like having that as a standalone trilogy is fine.
1: It, I mean, it kind of goes through the whole like almost does the same thing like Alien did where the first one's like, you know, a strong standalone horror game. Second one's like kind of an action game. third one even more so action game. So I don't know. I mean, I think like it it stands tall on its own. And really, the only thing I'd want to see off of it is, uh, like you were saying, maybe a remaster of the three of them to, like, really update them in a a significant way. But honestly, playing the first one that came out so long, 12 years ago, it's still completely playable and totally fun.
0: Yeah, I feel like what you could update is the character models on the Necromorphs because you can see, you can kind of see how they're constructed to be blown apart, you know? Like, you can see what's solid and what isn't on the old games, but...
1: That's really it. Right. You sort of know, like, if I shoot at this joint, then that arm's going to come off. And you can kind of see, like you were saying, how they're put together. But really, I mean, in combat, like when you're actually actively moving around the world and fighting the enemies, you, you don't really notice that too bad.
0: If anyone wants to play Dead Space, it's like a dollar, I think, on Xbox. You can constantly buy all three of them for less than 10 bucks, So I would check those out.
1: Yeah, really cheap. And uh, not that long. I mean, the first one, I think can't be more than like 12 hours at the most.
0: The second one is a one-take game where the camera never cuts if you play it that way. So it's it's long, but you could do it in one sitting. I think 1 and 2 work better if you play them straight through, but I don't think 3 is trying to be that, so that's fine.
1: All good in their own right, Um, though.
0: I've been playing Hitman 2, but no, I've been playing Hitman 1 in Hitman 2. So the way they, they released this game... It's not, this one was released as the full game, but the first one was the season where you got like a new level every X month. Oh
1: yeah, I kind of, I kind of remember that. So it's
0: the the second game is like a hub with all the levels and you get, it's like you can get on any of those websites for like 20 bucks now. And then an extra $20 gets you all of one's levels in it as like the standalone hub with all the levels and uh, with all the new gameplay and graphics options added in retroactively which is really cool so i'm about halfway through one and this game this is like one of the best AAA games i've ever played and i don't understand why no one plays these <laughs> games because they're awesome like th- the way it's set up is each level is a mini open world game where your goal is usually to kill two people and there are infinite ways in which you can do it so the goal is to keep playing it And try and figure out how to do it the best way without getting in firefights or without,
1: you know, being seen. Alerting everybody. Yeah. Like, what's the cleanest way of getting in and out without having too much bloodshed?
0: Yeah, the music is incredible. It sounds like it rivals movies, the music in this game. Like, it is just an incredible score. The level design is totally varied between these little levels. Like, the first level you do is um, a fashion show in Paris where uh, like this guy who had a private military decided to go clean and he started a fashion Mm -hmm. brand with his wife, but it turns out they've been run. They've been each running like she's running a human trafficking auction site and he's running like a different military. So you're like, fuck. So they have these things called mission stories that don't, they're not like objectives in games where if you do a mission story, it'll guaranteed lead you to the kill it they're like suggestions. They kind of get you started. So, I played it at the first level a few times and the most like smartest way I figured out to infiltrate it was there's this guy who's like a world renowned fashion model there who's bald. So he looks like Agent 47 and you can do one of the mission stories that kind of gets you near him and then you realize who he is and then you knock him out then he's on the phone with the girl you have to kill so you call her on his phone and she's like you have to walk the runway go get your makeup done and then come up and we'll talk about your next job because he's also a hitman so you kill him uh you take on his costume you walk the runway get all your makeup done and then you go up and then it gives you an opportunity to kill her because you're alone with her that's great then you can crawl out of her window and if you played it right through a different mission story you can drop The lights above the fashion runway onto a guy onto the guy and then you're good but then i went back in and thought about it and i was like i took that mission story with the fashion model guy all the way up until the point where i had to walk the runway because i realized you can go anywhere in the whole building then this is like a beautiful like massive mansion in france that's photorealistic it doesn't look like a video game building it's laid out like an actual building so I realized once I was dressed up like that guy, I could go anywhere without anyone seeing me because he's he's like the most famous dude there. So I had you can have items left for you after you beat it once you unlock more of them. So I had a sniper left. I got made up as this guy, went and took a remote for the fireworks at the end of the night, got my sniper, went up this like scaffolding I saw and then I lit the fireworks. And this is all just me independently. And then the the guy and the girl came out that were running the show because they were pissed that the fireworks went off early. Then I sniped both of them while the fireworks <laughs> were going off, and then I got out, and it was, like, awesome. So that's how the game set up, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, that... Uh, I, I haven't played too much of the series. Really, the only one that I put any amount of time into was Absolution, which I, I know isn't everybody's favorite, but, I, I you know, what I played of it was pretty fun. Yeah, it's, like, it's a bit more story-driven, but there is a little bit of that, like... Um, openness obviously to like experiment and and try to get like the best best option for hunting your targets but um yeah i mean this definitely sounds really cool um after seeing the hitman 3 trailer that just looks like a john wick like game um this is probably a series i'm gonna have to have to go back in and, and play through just to get caught up on the story as well i'm curious like if they'll release hitman 3 as a new hub
0: and then if you have these other two it'll just add it into three right or
1: if where they just kind of make hitman like a platform yeah and then they put all the games in the same thing I,
0: i'm sure they'll do that i'm just curious which way it'll go like if you'll be able to buy three as an expansion to two if you already have two or if you'll just have to buy three and then you can load them in it's weird but it, it is really story driven and after you beat each level it'll be like hey go back in and try it again these are the mission stories that'll give you more of the overall story. And the second level is in Italy. And it's like the way I did it, I've only done that one twice, but the way I did it was I disguised, I knocked out the psychiatrist of the guy I had to kill. And then I figured out by listening out the window that her, the wife who you also have to kill, her, tennis instructor is fucking her so you disguise yourself as him and then you go into her room and call her, and then you can kill her then you have to like go into like their lab under their house and destroy a virus that's the one where it's like there's really only one way to do it but there's tons of levels like one of them is a suburban street which i really want to do that one and then another one is uh like this militia locked themselves in a farm in colorado and you basically get to be michael myers you just go in and kill them all like that's the one where you just kill everyone.
1: Can you play them in any order, or is there, like, a set? Yeah. Okay.
0: You can... you In the hub menu of Hitman 2, you can go to campaigns, and then there's, like, prologue, which is a few levels that are cool. They're all set up inside the ICB uh, headquarters. So they set up these, like, really elaborate things in warehouses, like, where you have to infiltrate a cruise ship, and there's, like tarps hanging all around so it's really cool looking because of the way the lighting is and everything like how they set up inside this cruise ship that you have to infiltrate or there's a part where you have to go into a hangar and fuck up the auto eject on the, the plane seat so when the guy gets in he shoots the roof but it's all all the props are right but it's set up inside a warehouse so the prologue is definitely worth playing and then after that you have this hub where you can do campaigns and you can click into the campaigns and do them in order and watch the, every time you beat a level, you get a new like highly produced cutscene, scene, which look, they look like movies. They're it's so well done. Or you can just go into levels and just jump into any of them any way you want. It's, it's really well-made. I, I can't, I just can't believe it's not bigger. It feels like a first party game. Like it's so big and just well-made.
1: Yeah, and I haven't really like you were saying. I don't know like a ton of people that really sing the praises of these games. So
0: yeah, I'm the first. I played it a bunch and got a little frustrated with it just because it's overwhelming when you first get into it. But once you finish that Paris level the first time, and then you go back in and the pressure's off, and you can kind of just walk around and figure out what you're trying to do. That's when I, it really clicked with me. It just took a minute.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's kind of like. Sophie's Choice right where it's like you know having all that variety is like kind of a double edged sword
0: yeah and I do like that it doesn't tell you it doesn't give you objectives like you don't have a quest list there's just like a bunch of mission stories and you can follow them but you can also miss them like you can miss completely miss the guy who's the fashion model if you take too long so there's like a time element to it so you kind of have to figure out the layout of the map it's like a big puzzle just figuring out what who's doing what at what times and you could even run in and just murder the people and run out. Like the shooting's good enough where you could do that. So it mm-hmm. supports whatever playstyle people want to do. Whatever playstyle play style is, right? Yeah, and it's, it's just so much content. If you buy the game for like 20 bucks, then you just pay 20 more for the Hitman 1 stuff. That's like two full games with all their DLC.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for 40 bucks. Can't complain about that.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to beat that, I think. I'm trying to do that. So the last thing on here you have is chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the sixties. What's this all about?
1: Uh, so this is a book that I just started reading last week. Um, it was written by Tom O'Neill, who was a former Hollywood reporter that basically got an assignment to interview a couple people related to, uh, the Manson murders and see, he was, he was supposed to write basically a piece that was like, how did, uh, charles manson like affect hollywood and like change the scape but really ended up like diving into it and finding all these uh inconsistencies with like helter skelter and the reported history of what happened and it be- it went from like a three-month project to 20 years of his life researching and interviewing people and basically finding out all that this stuff in uh helter skelter is bullshit. And there's like this whole other history to what happened. So I'm I'm only a couple chapters in, but so far it's been really really fascinating. Is
0: it like a conspiracy book or is it a factual book? Like is it nonfiction?
1: No, it's a factual book. It's this guy Tom O'Neill interviewed people and got case like got classified documents from uh, different sources in the police department and compiles data and goes over like this th- this person I interviewed from this time. Is inconsistent with what is in uh, Helter Skelter, and like has met with the guy who wrote Helter Skelter for hours and hours, and talks about him in extent for like all the times that he met with him and spoke with him, and how like he says this, but that's not possible because this inconsistency with this document I found.
0: So, what has been some of the reveals so far that you've read?
1: So, one of the big ones um, is basically like the. So, like, obviously the whole backbone of Helter Skelter was that, um, you know, Charles Manson was supposed to be trying to incite a race war by, like, striking fear into Terry Melcher and, like, the general public uh, and kind of, like, incite this panic that would cause a race war to start. So one of the things that he was trying to figure out was, like, Terry Melcher is kind of a weird character. He was a guy who had owned the house on Cielo Drive that um, Sharon Tate was killed in. And so there was, like, a lot of conflicting stories where Manson basically said, like, we chose his house because we wanted to make, like, he knew Terry because they were uh, working on, like, a record together, and he denied him his, like, record and basically, like, scared him off, but... Terry was like, I wasn't actually really that scared of him. And there's like multiple reports of him hanging out with the Manson family after the murders happened at the Tate house where he was actually visiting the Manson family when they were hanging out in Death Valley and was like, you know, banging a bunch of the Manson girls and was hanging out with Manson all the time. And the conflicting reports are basically like, you know, some people were saying like he idolized Manson and like was keep trying to like hang out with them, which is complete opposite of the Helter Skelter Idea of him striking fear into his heart and like trying to incite this thing. So there's just been a lot of like really weird, inconsistent stuff and like interesting uh, backstories for characters. Like also, uh, uh, Jay Sebring, who was in the uh, Once My Time in Hollywood, who was um, the kind of like sort of the love interest for Sharon Tate in that movie, uh, was her former boyfriend. There's like all these connections he has with uh, Cuba. And the mafia that were like also trying to hunt him down for for different things. So there's just a lot of like really weird backstory stuff that you wouldn't wouldn't think about, or uh, characters that were like pretty prevalent in the the whole scene that like were never really brought up in Helter Skelter. So there's a lot of backstory there that you get from reading this.
0: That's cool. How did you find out about it? Um,
1: Tom O'Neill was on Joe Rogan's podcast, probably like a month or so ago and kind of talked about like some of the broader stroke things and like stuff that he was like stumbled upon in his findings. So, uh, it's like a t- two and a half hour podcast. So if you're interested, um, watch that and then you'll probably want to buy the book. Cause that's what I did. Um, but it's, it's a really cool read so far.
0: Okay. I'm definitely going to read that. That'll be a good one for 4th of July weekend to read by the pool. That's cool. I'm excited for that. That's awesome. Uh, that's really all I have this week, though. I think next week we can talk about Scare Package. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's what I want to talk about. Uh,
0: I was going to put it on here for this week because like, of the Joe Bob uh, episode of the weekend, but it comes out on Shudder this Thursday. So if you guys want to get the jump on what we're going to talk about next week, watch Scare Package on Shudder. It is English language, which is great. It's made by Noah Segan, who is awesome. Um, and it's a really cool little comedy horror anthology that masters the art of being bad on purpose which is really really hard to do yeah really fun movie
1: i liked a lot of the the, um the skits in it the little anthology bits
0: yeah so everyone should check that out um this weekend i'm gonna try and play some different things so it's not just the hitman hour (laughs) again next week Um, but, yeah, that's all I got for Your Frequency episode 89. What do, you, what do you have to say to close this out? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, been, that's all I had. Alright, bye. Did you like the Resident Evil 8 trailer? Do you like the direction they're going in with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that kind of, you know, very desolate setting, like where Resident Evil 4 was set, I think is kind of one of the better settings for a Resident Evil game. Like, 4 was the first one I jumped on, so I always kind of, like, link those two things in my mind, like that setting with this series. The Chris thing is bizarre, because... <laughs> They
0: already redesigned him and then they're listening to the vocal minority of fans on Twitter who were bitching about how he looked. They changed him slightly for the Not A Hero DLC and he looked fine. So I don't understand why Chris has to like look like this weird cross version of his older version and a human being.